Welcome to the I Am Somebody podcast. This is a collaborative project between Focus Recovering Wellness Community, NAMI Hancock County, LGBTQ Plus Spectrum of Finley, and other volunteers. In this podcast, we hear recovery stories from people who suffer from mental health conditions, substance use, and trauma. We also hear from service providers, family members, and other community supporters of recovery. The subject matter of this podcast may be difficult for some listeners. The views and opinions expressed on the I and Somebody podcast are those of individuals being recorded and do not necessarily reflect the official policies or positions of the partnering agencies. Stick around after the podcast for information on local and national resources for mental health, substance use, and trauma services. I am somebody. 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 I am Haley, and I am somebody. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the I Am Somebody podcast. I'm Amanda, and today we have my lovely co-host, Ams. Hey, how's it going, Amanda? <laughs> good. How's it going with you, Ams? It's good. It's kind of hot up here. You're making me <laughs> nervous. Oh, I'm know. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> don't be sorry unless you're stepping on someone's toes, right? <laughs> uh, it's July 2023. Yeah. 2023. <laughs> and we have the Butterfly Effect campaign going on in the community, and we are asking folks to sign up. So if you could go to the link in our show notes today after listening to our podcast, that would be awesome. And the whole idea for the Butterfly Effect campaign is to have like a ripple effect and create awareness in our community to destigmatize our conversations and the perception of recovery and that journey through stencils and a visual aid. That's really good. Thank you, Ams, yeah, for no. the little brief description of that. You're welcome. Don't know what I was trying to say there, but <laughs> thank you for You're that. Being appreciative, and I love it. Yes. So I'm, I'm grateful <laughs> for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be an appreciative episode. It is. Self-love. Love. <laughs> the other voice that you guys are hearing is my dear friend, Haley. Um, Haley, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so my name's Haley. I am 27, and I am a business owner at a hair salon. Officially hit one year. Got the keys yesterday, one year to yesterday. Woo-hoo, so that's nice exciting. Yes. Love it. I'm a co-owner with my bestie. I love it, but I am married, I have three children, and I'm cool. (laughs) I'm cool. You are cool. You are cool. I like it. I try to be. Um, I'm a cool mom. Would you like to subtle flex your salon, or just... Yeah, Vibe Hair Studio. We are right below Am's art, actually, art studio. Also studio. That's kind of how we came up with the name. I was like, well, everybody else has an art studio, so why aren't we Vibe? We like the name Vibe. So then we made it hair studio. So that's pretty cool. I like that. So we're on yes. Crawford Street. It's pretty nice. All are welcomed. We're trying to just match the vibe of everybody else in our building. Subtle flexing AMS at the Hysteria Co. Oh, yeah. For the Jones Building at Artists. <laughs> Love it. We, yeah, it's so cool. <laughs> I like it. I'm digging it, you guys. This is going to be fun. Um, So... I guess a little backstory on yourself and what you'll be talking about today, Haley. Yeah, so I mainly just want to dive into postpartum depression and anxiety. It's so not talked about. 
especially with young moms. Like I remember being 19, having my first one. It's a scary thing and especially doing it alone. And then I never realized how much childhood trauma I had until becoming a mother and now trying to navigate it as a mom Mm. and moving past it, even though you've never actually received like an apology or just like any like sort of confirmation that they've done wrong in your childhood. In terms of mothering? In terms of just parenthood, I guess mother and fatherhood because You know, my mom, she's an amazing woman. She is great. She played both roles since I was little. My dad was not around a lot. They were married. They are married. Still married to this day. But he was very in to himself, kind of, in a way, where he would always pick his friends and go do things, play sports, do everything else. My mom was kind of on her own with three kids two years apart. And it's a lot. Like, now that I have three children, I'm like, I kind of give her some grace because I know now what she went through. But my husband is amazing. He's a great dad. He's very present. He's very hands-on to everything that we do. So I give her some grace in the aspect of I couldn't imagine if I didn't have my husband and how exhausted she must have been. But in terms of that, then, I became very I struggled with abandonment at a young age and I struggled with always like I told Amanda always looking for something better and then I can't really blame my mom for the childhood trauma it's mainly just how my parents did it together so my dad was very his dad it's so hard to explain because I always say is the Peter Pan syndrome. If you've ever heard of what that is, it's basically what I call when somebody never grows up from a traumatic event in their life. So their brain basically like gets frozen in time. And his dad died when he was 17. And therefore, I think his brain mentality-wise and emotional-wise was stunted at 17. So he's never been able to like be a grown-up and be emotionally there for us. So... Now, as an adult, I've been able to accept that fact and be like, hey, what you've done during XYZ has now affected my life as an adult and as a mother. Like, I don't know how to handle some things now. And my parents were in their 60s. So being a part of that, I think they're just kind of like the don't ask, don't tell generation. And it's hard to have parents in that situation. Absolutely. Then that's sounds like a really healthy space to be in that you're aware that there's something from your childhood that has affected you. And you know now that there needs to be some kind of course correction. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. I know we were talking a little bit um, in order to prepare for this podcast and um, storytelling today, I listened to that podcast, The Goop, I mm-hmm. was telling you before, yeah. uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's podcast. And they did an interview with psychiatrist Catherine Brindenford or Brindorf. And she created the Mothering Center. So when you were talking about how do I didn't have a mother at, or how did you say it? I didn't 
know how to mother when I was becoming a mother because I yeah. didn't know if I was parented ahead of time. Is that how you Yeah, how yeah. You said I it? think it's I think with motherhood it's such a sensitive subject. So mm. if you don't have a stable mother and you don't have a stable childhood, it's hard to learn how to do it. It's like riding a bike. You don't just get on the bike one day and like, oh I'm gonna ride a bike now. You were had to be taught how to ride a bike or you taught yourself. So then I basically was trying to ride a bike without ever learning how to ride a bike. And that's what they were talking about in this particular podcast is when you become a mother, you're reflecting on how you were mothered and what kind of mother are you yourself and what kind of mother you're going to be for your children and who's there to support you Mm -hmm. and nurture you in that way and going through those phases or this huge experience becoming a new a new mother and it's kind of like they're also talking about like support and like friends and family yeah like it happens for what like the first couple weeks maybe like months or something yeah. like that and, and even it, when you're pregnant it's like I can't wait to meet your baby I can't wait to have like be an aunt or whatever and then it's like radio silence once you have the baby too like yeah. when it gets to the ugly part mm-hmm. when you're recovering and when you're in that first year basically postpartum is like a whole year and I don't think people realize like postpartum is not just like the first couple months you don't fully get back to after like post baby until the baby reaches a year old and sometimes people surpass that and they don't recover until years down the road would you be able to kind of go into that a little bit more like start with your pregnancy journey or yeah that yeah so I got pregnant Right. So I was 19. So I had just moved to North Carolina to start hair school. And um, the guy I was dating at the time, my daughter's biological dad, um, we were only dating for like a month. So and we got pregnant and it was a very toxic relationship. So I was already in a stressful situation. So after I had her, you know, you you prepare all you want, but then you have a baby and then you're just kind of like, here you go. So I was this 19 year old, just getting a newborn baby. And thankfully my parents were supportive of me going through this. Like they, I lived with them for the first year of her life just to like have help. Mm-hmm. My sisters were amazing cause they were both young moms as well. They were with people at the time, but um, they were all very supportive. So after you have a baby, you go into the doctor for a six-week checkup. So you wait after you have a baby, six weeks, then you go into the doctor's office. Wow. And they literally give you a paper. Like, it's literally just a one-sided paper. On a scale of one to ten, there's six questions. I think six or seven. And depending on how you score on that is how they approach the situation about your postpartum anxiety and depression. Did they do did they do any kind of screening before nope, prior for nothing. postpartum? They don't give they don't <clears throat> screen ever. Hmm. It was very it's very cold. It's a very cold it's like a transaction basically. And when I was nineteen, I was like, I don't want them I was nineteen. I was afraid I knew people were already judging me for being a nineteen single mom. And in my head I was afraid to admit that something was off. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really talk about it. I, so I knew that I was like, okay, I'm just going to like say it doesn't bother me and all these things. I'll check out. They don't, they won't think I mm-hmm. have depression. And I think that was like my first 
red flag in my own brain because even in high school, I went through very depression, like depression episodes. And Amanda was there for a lot of it. Like it was a very toxic brain, like issues in my brain. And I never dealt with it then. Like, and that was a key thing with my, with being a parent is like, my parents are just like, something's wrong with you. If you don't figure it out, we'll just send you away. Mm. Like get your shit together basically. So then I, as a mom, when I became a mom, I'm like, oh, I got to get my shit together and figure it out. Like nobody else is going to save my mind. Would you be able to um, f- give us a time frame? So you were 19 and what year? You're 27 now. Yeah. So that was 20. I had her in 2015. So 2015. 2014, 2015. Okay. Um, and what ty- do you mind sharing with us? What type of birth? Did you have? Um, it was a vaginal birth. I did get the epidural. It was a very smooth labor. I loved my doctor. I loved her. She was, I had midwives with all my pregnancies. You did have a midwife. Yes. I have loved, well, except for my last one because it was an on-call. It was such a quick birth Mm -hmm. that my doctor wasn't able to get in. So I had a, just a regular doctor, but he was great. Dr. Sheets. He's very well known in Finley. He's an amazing guy. He, um, did super well. He's very charismatic um but all three of them have been vaginal my one was natural in the middle my last two I'm trying to get an epidural with the third one but it happened so fast nothing worked yeah (laughs) but the midwives are great they're very in tune when you're pregnant they're very in tune with the woman I will say that um that's the most I've felt heard was with the midwives wow well thank you for sharing that so you're 19 yeah and you have your first child what What's their name? So Amelia. Amelia. She goes by Mia. Yeah. So yeah. What happened after that? So yeah, you go home and you have you take that six week that um I don't know what the name of it is. There's like a like a little quiz. Yeah, you take the quiz and they're like, Okay, you're fine. Uh-huh. Like we don't think we need to sedate you, basically. Good luck. S- sedate and then you, know, you like not sedate, but they always Put you on meds. Put me on medication. Yeah. So um, I'm now on medication for Zoloft after my third pregnancy, but I'll dive into that later. But I, my parents were also very, like very against medication. Mm -hmm. They were very like, like life's not that hard. Like, or my mom was very like life sucks and you die kind of person. Mm -hmm. You, somebody always has it worse than you. So I got home and I was like, I just got to deal. Like, I just got to deal with it. And it was rough. Like, it was super rough because I was still dealing with stuff from her biological dad. And I was dealing with all that stuff. And um, I met my now husband when she was three months old. And after I met him and his family, that's when it was kind of like, I'm going to be okay. Because his family is so helpful. And they are very much more emotional than my family. So I was able to talk about things more with them than my own family. So then then in turn, my second labor and delivery was so smooth. Mm-hmm. It was like one of the amazing, like sh- it wasn't the greatest pregnancy because pregnancy kind of sucks sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's very miserable. Like it's sometimes just like uncomfortable. You go through a lot, things like that. But emotionally, I handled it a lot better. And you still get the same exact. That was what was crazy to me too. There was a seven-year age gap, and not the, nothing on that paper had changed. And I was like, postpartum changes though. Mm-hmm. What year? What year does that bring us to? So 22? I didn't have mine until twenty twenty 
21? 22? 21. Yeah. No, 21. Yeah. 2021. Yeah. During the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Do you want to talk about how that was during the pandemic and what changed from the first time? So, yeah, it did feel really lonely. I will say that because the you aren't allowed to have anybody in the doctor's appointments. You're not allowed to have anybody at the hospital. It was very weird for that aspect. But I almost needed that more because I felt like it was my first pregnancy over again because I was also still coping with having somebody there as a partner because I didn't have that with my first pregnancy. I had my sisters, but I didn't have a, my husband. So it was nice having that quietness, but I know people that really struggled with that because it is a lonely experience and they felt very lonely and isolated during that time. Yeah, the excitement of being able to go out in public, yeah. to be able to have people just see you and, be, and, I, yeah, yeah. and being seen and having those conversations with other women mm-hmm. um with our elders about it and just like the the scare factor too though like with the risk in yeah. having um, a baby during the pandemic and with the different covid precautions and i know yeah. i've had a, one of my best friends had a child during the pandemic and it was it was kind of scary yeah it is scary mine was near the end so I was pretty fortunate that there was a like people could come over above the age of 18 and I my daughter who was seven couldn't so then I was like well then nobody's gonna come because I don't want somebody to meet her sister before she has a chance to so we did keep it very just me and my husband at the hospital but I know it's a crazy that was a crazy time yeah. My sister actually had her baby in 2021. Oh, really? Um, and I got to be there for it. But we didn't know if I was going to be able to be in the same room with her partner yeah. at the time. And it was literally the most incredible experience. It is. I I've always wanted to see somebody birth a baby. Ever witnessed. It changed my <laughs> life. That's why I was so excited to be a part of it's this. It's amazing today because there are so many different things going on and if you don't I just couldn't imagine one being alone yeah in a hospital and having to wear a mask yeah and trying to birth or just take away the pandemic and just being alone and not having the right support or have the agency or the wherewithal to know that the questions aren't going to be asked to you by your doctors. Yeah. And you have to stick up for yourself yeah. somehow. And mm-hmm. and know what questions to Especially ask. Especially about your health, too. Like, yeah. I knew... I've always struggled being anemic. And I knew with my second one, it was getting really bad. Mm-hmm. And so I remember, like, they didn't want to test me again, like my iron. And I was like, you are going to test me. Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to happen. Therefore, I ended up having low iron and needed iron infusions. Like, that's how bad it had gotten. And they weren't going to And t- they weren't going to test me. And I was like, I'm sorry, but, like, if I'm paying you guys, you're going to test me for what yeah. I want to be tested for. And I never would stick up to my Like, I never stuck up for myself then until that happened and I was like no but this is act like I've become more vocal mm. now as a mother as too like I feel like you have to be yeah and the postpartum depression is not regular depression no it is so different because it's almost like I try to talk to people like almost like seasonal depression ah. um because there's with depression when I went through in high school is so different than this like, it's just, 
it stems from the unknown, I feel like. And I feel like it happens a lot more in, I mean, this is just my opinion, but I think it happens a lot more in like unwanted pregnancies and traumatic pregnancies. Mm -hmm. Um, With my third one was when it really got bad because she was an oopsie baby. Like we weren't trying to have her. They were all, so they're 16 months apart. So it was back-to-back pregnancies. I was breastfeeding with my second one. I stopped for a month, and then I got pregnant right after that. So I never got to heal from my last childbirth. So early on, I basically felt like I was pregnant for two years. So it was super traumatic in that way that I felt like I never had a chance to just not be a mom. Mm-hmm. And I'll never not be a mom, but, like, in my mind, I just wanted to be a 26-year-old. Like, I just wanted to, like feel normal again and we were getting married that year like everything had just piled on so I felt like I got they don't consider postpartum depression when you're pregnant but I I think I mainly got depression when I was pregnant and anxiety so then when I had my third one it I was just I was a bitch like I was just mean because I didn't want to, I didn't want to have another baby. Well, is it true like your progesterone mm-hmm. um, levels are what help regulate your anti-anxiety? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hormones are huge. Translates into depression. And yeah, then, and the mood changes. Your hor your hormones are wild after you have a baby. Yeah. everything's adjusting you have bodily fluids coming from literally every hole you could think of it is just gross <laughs> so it just it's bad it's so crazy and my third one was a pretty traumatic birth she was in the NICU she came three weeks early like it was just wild so I didn't even get to hold her until the next day so that also I felt like set off like I didn't hold her, so I didn't get to bond with her because chest to chest is so important after the baby's born. It is a huge thing, and I didn't get to have that. So then I that also just was like I couldn't, I don't know. I just couldn't get myself to, like, wrap my head around being a mom again. Yeah. Did, would you, did you have any kind of, like, outlets that you could talk to people about? Or, like, did you so go to therapy? So, my husband anything? is amazing. And he and my best friend. I mean, I didn't want to talk about it with anybody. And then I mentioned to my friend how I went to my six-week checkup. I went to my six-week checkup. And I told my husband, I was like, I'm going to fail this. I just, like, told him 100%. I'm like, I'm going to fail this test. Because I would, like make jokes I don't know if I would ever send them to you but I was like I could crash my car into the ditch right now and I wouldn't care like or if like if my kids weren't in the car like if somebody hit me like but I would always say if my kids weren't in the car Mm -hmm. if something happened to me I'd be okay if my kids weren't with me and something happened I'd be fine like Mm -hmm. that's how I felt so I went into that six-week checkup and I went by myself and I told my husband I said I'm going to walk out with something some medication because it got to the point where I knew I needed to be medicated because I needed that trigger in my brain to not flip anymore because it was, I was like very inflicting it onto myself. Like I got into that dark hole and I was like, you're just a piece of shit basically is how I felt. So then when I went in, I talked to my doctor and it's so funny because they literally bring it into you once you fail it because I never failed it before. And I was just very honest and they're like, you scored pretty high, so we're going to give you this medication. That was it. 
What? There was no talk. Nothing. What is the sheet called? I need to look it up. So there was like a study based on it, and that's how they were. And they still use it to this day. Yeah. So once you finally got your diagnosis, um, how how did it feel? I instantly started crying to my doctor, and I was so weird because I'm not a crier. Like, I will fight you before I cry to you. She's lying. Now that I'm a mother, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. But I'll still beat a bitch. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm totally kidding. I'm, I literally will probably maybe hit you and then cry about it later. But so um, I don't know what it's called. I, I mean, can't find it. But I just started crying because I was like, somebody's heard me. So it was like a relief. It was a relief, but I was still frustrated that it was just a piece of paper. Like, and therapy's not, like, I feel like when you have a baby, insurance should cover therapy. They should cover, like, everything, everything that goes, that along, goes with along with that. Yeah. Because once you have the baby, see you once a year for your annual checkup. Right. That's it. And that's what's so crazy is you go through it. It's a traumatic experience to go through childbirth. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you push it out of you. Six weeks comes by, they're like, yep, you're good, or no, you need some, you need a little help, then that's it. And then insurance, if you need more help than what you just said that's involved. Insurance may or may not pick it up. They They didn't even cover her x-ray when she was in the NICU because they deemed it unnecessary. Her chest x-ray, even while she was on a CPAP machine. The insurance company deemed it unnecessary, even though it was highly suggested by... I didn't even know she got one, because I couldn't even see her. So I had her at midnight, and I couldn't see her again until 6 a.m. the next morning, because they were putting her on the CPAP machine. And they it's a very traumatic thing to watch. They don't really recommend parents being in there, because it's very scary to see your kid be poked and prodded and hooked up to all these machines. So they wait till they're adjusted and then bring you in. So I didn't even know she had a checks x-ray until I got a bill in the mail being like, denied my insurance. Unnecessary. So this was baby number three. This is three. This is Lele. So it was, it's wild. It's wild what insurance deems unnecessary. Like therapy and chiropractor, even chiropractor appointments after you have a baby are extremely important. Because your body just went through a traumatic thing and they don't think that's necessary. No, and this is what the Catherine Brindorf was talking about, the Mother Center in NYC. We need more of these. And it's is that the one that's like, it's like almost like a like spa for women? Kind of. Yeah. Like that, but it's a support center. Yeah. Where mothers can just go after they have their pregnancy. They can, mm-hmm. they also have an area where they can bring the children yeah. And have them watch while they do their, like, group exercises. I say it's a spa because it does sound like a spa. Yeah. Just, like, having a support <laughs> area like that and yeah. just being able to recover. All right, Mayor Mern, um, we are requesting <laughs> that we have a mothering center in <laughs> Finley. Nonprofit. Nonprofit. But it could be city-based, but. Get it together, Finley. <laughs> But it's everywhere too. It's not just Finley. It's everywhere that it's, it is everywhere. It's so, right. and I feel like now it's more talked about because of social media. Mm-hmm. Like I remember before I went to my, I went on TikTok and I was just like postpartum anxiety, 
postpartum depression just to see what other people were going through and what they were doing to not be in it before I went to my own doctor. And that's what's crazy to me, but that's how people find coping now Mm -hmm. and how to talk to people online is online and social media. That brings me to another question of when you were going through all of this and you obviously didn't have a diagnosis until the third baby, did you have any good coping skills like throughout the... During my pregnancy or after? Both. So, and that was crazy was because when I had depression, I knew I was depressed. Like I knew I had postpartum depression because I had depression before. So I knew the signs. And... Unfortunately, when I was a teenager, I used not so great coping mechanisms. It was very toxic. Now I had kids that depended on me and that was my mindset. So having my husband was my, like, unfortunately he got the brunt of it. He was a trooper because I was just, I took a lot of my frustration out on him and would cry randomly. And he'd be like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, you just made my sandwich the wrong way. And now I'm just hysterically crying because that's, People don't realize it's postpartum depression until they look into it. Mm -hmm. Because it's not just being sad and being mopey and in your room all day. It's you're living your life, but you're in a fog and you're taking it out on people. So when I would use it to cope was just kind of talking to my husband and being like, I have to leave the house right now. Like I just have to be by myself. Mm -hmm. So just like putting myself first was the biggest way I could cope with it. I was like, I got to go walk around TJ Maxx for an hour. I have to like go do something just by myself. I had to go to dinner with Amanda. I got to talk to somebody. And it wasn't until I had failed it. And I told Kate, my co-owner, and she said, I'm just glad I didn't have to be the person to tell you I thought you were depressed. Because she was like, I know you had depression, but how do you be the person to your best friend and be like, something's like she and she's never dealt with it so she's like how do I tell my friend that there's something wrong with her like she's my best friend I don't think anything's wrong with her she's perfect like I love her da, da, da. but how do you tell somebody you need to go talk to somebody and that's the biggest thing is I want people to be okay you have to tell somebody that, that you think even if there's something that's not wrong with them like I told my husband everybody needs therapy a hundred percent even if you think your childhood was perfect you still need a therapist to talk about the positives. Therapy isn't all about the negatives in your life. Mm-hmm. So my main thing is like, I want you to be able to tell somebody, I don't think you're okay. Because if they, if you don't, how are they, like, if they don't know they've had depression, how are they going to be like, do I have depression? Do I have anxiety? Like, is something wrong with me? Or do they think that's just normal? Haley, that is such a good point to bring up and discuss because a lot of times we miss that opportunity with one another in general, whether it's our best friends, our family members. I think the biggest part is like how we can mindfully and be kind. Yeah. And say, hey, like, what's going on? Yeah. And it's right. just actually doing that and taking the initiative. Yeah. Because you care and you love about some you love someone. Yeah. And we had those conversations when you mm-hmm. were going through stuff and I had to be that and I said I hate being this mean person but like you got to get it together. Right. I was like because Amanda's not the person to be like, "Hey buddy, <laughs> I know you're like sad." I'm like, "You got to get it together." Like mm-hmm. I had to be not so nice because that's what she needed somebody to be. And we got into multiple altercations and I was okay because I was like I know we fought about it and I know you're upset that I said this, 
but I love you anyways. And I know that you're going to get through this and I'll be here for it. But I had to be that bad guy and I'm okay to be that bad guy. Mm-hmm. And I think people don't want to be that bad guy. Mm-mm. People don't want to. They're like, Ooh, no, hopefully she gets through it. People are afraid of hurting feelings, yeah. which I mean, I get it to an extent. But at the same time, sometimes you have to hurt feelings to get your point across. I mean, I know that sounds like kind of mean. I know. And, and I don't, it's not even I don't hurting it feelings. To, it's holding them. Yeah. I said it's holding them accountable. Yeah. That was a huge thing I wanted to hit on today was holding accountable with my parents, too. I was like. I'm not shitting on you. I'm holding you accountable for what you did as to me as a child that I now have to deal with as a parent. Because young me didn't understand, but the adult me does. And the adult me doesn't understand how you did it is kind of my motto with that. But I used to be like, oh, I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to make them upset. It's like I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore because if it could save somebody – taking their life or going through those dark and doing terrible things to themselves, then I'll be that quote unquote bad guy mm-hmm. to get them because we might not be friends at the end of this, but if you got help, that's, I consider that a win. Absolutely. No, I was just going to bring up, you know, looking into this a little bit more for Ohio, 9.7% reported postpartum depression in Ohio. And I think the language is starting to change in the medical industry from just postpartum, but it's parental mood anxiety disorder. So mm-hmm. PMADS. Have yeah. you heard about that? Yeah. Um, did any of your doctors bring that up at no. the time? No, they didn't. I had to, again, look into it myself. Mm-hmm. And some of the symptoms I think you briefly lightly kind of like touched over it but what would be like some of the symptoms I guess looking back at your experience with postpartum that you could say like ah that was it before I was actually into the thick of it so my biggest thing was how it I everybody around me was walking on eggshells like my fuse was short and I it was scary to me because I saw my parents coming out in me because my mom doesn't want to admit it but she has depression she went through a lot of traumatic stuff in her life and she didn't deal with it properly so then she went through that with the short fuse and the isolation and the disassociation like she was very much like that and I could see myself becoming like that like I remember like my husband could literally do anything and I would be like down his throat fighting him And so it got, and it was just little signs like that or little, like the baby would be crying. And I just like, was like, I could like literally just walk out of this house right now. Like I just could leave the house. Mm. Like it was just things like that where I was like, the baby's crying. And I just like, don't, I can't even care. Like I can't care Mm -hmm. that this baby is crying. You know what I mean? Like it was just like, I just turned off my brain. And looking back that you see those signs that were happening. Mm-hmm. What would you have done differently? Like as you were noticing that, or do you think you like got it in time? I wish like I would have gave myself more grace. More I grace. was so hard on myself because I was just like, like get it together. You yeah. have three kids that depend on you. Mm-hmm. Like I, they like with my third one being a traumatic thing, they're like, don't overexert yourself. But I'm of vacuuming, cleaning my house. Because I have this standard in my head that I have to be this perfect person. 
and I have to make sure my house is clean and make sure my husband's and my husband does not care about any of that stuff I can tell you that right now he wouldn't he doesn't notice that I vacuum the floor like he doesn't notice that stuff but in my head I'm like I gotta get this done so like I wish I would have like let myself heal more was like what I wish I could like tell myself like relax a little bit more and yeah. like enjoy enjoy motherhood because it happened so fast and that's what I was laying in bed with my husband the one night because I was like oh I'm done after this third one because I was I knew it was going to be a hard pregnancy mentally mm-hmm. and then I was laying in bed when I'm like yeah but what if we have another one and I'm like, he's like are you sure you want to do that and I'm like because I like it's almost like I want to try again like I want to be I want to have an okay pregnancy I want to like it's like almost like a like I want to like, a, not a competition, but, like, what would you call that? Like, I, No, it goes back to your whole, I always want the Something best. better. Yeah, I always want o- the better. Yep. Like, I always want what's better. So I'm like, well, I really had a shitty pregnancy this time around. This time I'm, I'm going to do better. And how I can overcome taking the medication. Because I knew I could get past it. I know some people really struggle with that, and they need that for their ba- brain chemistry. Mm-hmm. It's super important. And I don't – but I just want – to be better mm-hmm. and I'm the type of person like so now I go to CrossFit so that's what became my outlet now how just having quality time by myself you can have quality time with yourself finding a hobby you don't always have to be spending time with somebody no but there's also <clears throat> you know an accessibility mm-hmm. you know challenge in, a, in America where a lot of folks don't have that opportunity a yeah. lot of mothers don't have that. For and they sure, have to yeah. Go, like right back in to work, put the babes in a facility. Mm-hmm. What are the daycares? Daycare, yeah. yeah. <laughs> facility babysitters daycares, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we don't know these things. <laughs> um, I should, for whatever reason, I don't know why. Um, Being an aunt, though, you don't really, like, you don't know the in and outs. Because, like, when I was an aunt, I was like, whatever, here's this kid. I would get back to you in a couple hours. And then you're like, wait a second, they go to the doctor? (laughs) Like, they have to go get checkups? Yeah. And you've got to floss their teeth, too. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Their teeth fall out anyways. That's, like, literally (laughs) what I tell my kid all the time. Like, you have to brush your teeth. And she's like, why? They're going to fall out. And I'm like, I shouldn't have told you that. (laughs) Because that's what I'm like. They're going to fall out. So what? Um. Go ahead, Ams. No, you go ahead. No, you're you're good. Well, I was just gonna, you know, the disparities on Native American, Alaskan, Asian, Pacific Islander folks um, are at higher risk. Mm-hmm. Mothers younger than twenty four. Yeah. Uh, three or more stressful life events, education, all of that combined are like huge factors yeah. in postpartum. The remedy for it, it sounds like, is the awareness in the medical industry, mm-hmm. in the hospitals, and in our communities. Yeah. And within our everyday conversations as friends, family members, to be able to truly be there for a mother a- after, before, yeah. And talk about it. That's like yeah. the biggest thing is because I, when I was 19, I thankfully had my family to help me. Mm-hmm. So... But I could not, could not imagine if I didn't. I couldn't imagine what these young moms go through at being alone. So even dealing with depression when I was married, I was happily married with two other children. 
I was like, what is this? Like, I should, like, that was my thing. I was guilting myself. I was like, you should be happy. Like, you have a house. You have a husband. You have these great kids. So why aren't you, like, why aren't you happy? So I feel for all these moms that don't have that and have to go through this alone, that overcome it because I don't know how they, like, that's a hell of a thing to go through alone, Mm -hmm. to overcome. I'm, like, excited. (laughs) I want to keep, like, looking at... Looking up more information about this yeah. because this is something that is huge in America. Even though the birth uh, rates are like trending down, twenty sixteen to twenty twenty two, which I also understand. Yeah, um, I think it's an interesting trend that's happening with folks with younger folks and yeah. choosing like n- not to have children. Yeah, um, it's a scary world to bring your kids into now. Mm-hmm. It is. And I understand when people don't want kids. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think if I didn't have my kids, I'd be like, I don't, I don't know. Because you don't, because everything's changing. Like, the world that we grew up in and the freedoms and the choices that we had are are becoming questions. Like, questionable things that people want to take away. Which is so weird to me. Yeah. I think one of the, I don't want to say saddest things that I've ever heard my um, friends say to me was she hoped she made the right decision and um, instantly I was like don't ever question it yeah you know don't ever question it that you made the wrong decision of bringing someone into Mm -hmm. this world yeah just as you have the choice and the right to be able to have an abortion right um it's your choice and you can make it and just don't ever doubt yourself because yeah. I think that is that guilt and that shame. Mm-hmm. 100%. People that shame comment. it. And I, I remember honestly, when I was pregnant at 19, the dad was like, are you going to keep it? And I am pro choice a hundred percent of the way because I'm not going to have to raise that baby. I'm not going to have the depression that that person might have or the trauma that comes along with pregnancy. So who am I to judge for that stuff? But I remember when he asked me that, and it, I was just like, go F off. Like, really, like, I was just like, I knew I wanted to be a mom, and he wanted me to get an abortion, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I knew mentally that I wanted to do, I accepted it as that role. So when people, I went to my sister's friend, who I know had had an abortion, and, you know, she now is married and has amazing kids. She says, I thank God every day that I had the choice because I would not be where I am today without it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I knew that the toll that the abortion would have took on me would have been harder than going through pregnancy because mm-hmm. it is a terrifying thing to go through mm-hmm. both ways, getting an abortion and then having a baby. Mm-hmm. Because you don't just forget having an abortion. Well, especially alone either way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's different for everybody, well, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's different for everybody in terms of that. Also being somebody that's very pro-choice. I'm very much like, I just want people to be nice. You know, I want you to be able to, like, do what you want to do. Just be a good person. Where God loves my husband, he's very much, we're very different on that aspect. Mm. So parenting-wise, it is hard. Because I, I have all girls, and they will be able to kick guys' asses if they want to. 
and stand up for themselves. And my daughter, who's already seven, I mean, she was raised around Amanda. <laughs> so she knew, she red, knew. Red flag. Yeah. She knew, what, like, um, what would you call it? Um, Being gay? Yeah. Sexuality. I didn't know how to say it. Like, she knew that sexuality was different from an early age. Mm-hmm. So I've been very open with her about sexuality and her making her own choices and things like that. Obviously, we haven't gotten to abortions and things like that, but she has known that, and she already very much sticks up for people. Like, when she was playing house at the daycare and was, like, two, she and one of her girlfriends were, like, moms together. And this little boy was, like, talking smack. And she's, like, I forget what she said, but she made a point that he was, like, I think still using a bottle or something or a binky or he had something. And she was, like, who are you to judge? And that's what I want them to be. I want them to be able to stand up for those people because that's how I was. Mm -hmm. I was always in fights in school, not because of something that I did, because somebody did something to somebody that I care about, and I didn't like it. I'm going to fight you over it now. And my husband's very much like, well, I read this article. And I'm like, whatever. I go off of vibes. I go off vibes. Um, (laughs) You can usually read someone's energy. Yeah. For sure. In body language. For sure. I was going to ask how you are today. Like, after everything. I'm doing a lot better now. I think, one, accepting that something was wrong to openly like opening myself up to telling people and being honest was also holding myself accountable because I think so many people just don't talk about it because they're afraid and then three just like putting myself first because as a mom you don't do that and of course your children are top priority but you also can't forget that you are a person too so just making sure that you have time for yourself, even if it's just hiding in your bedroom for 10 minutes and scrolling through your phone, reading a book, plucking your eyebrows, just doing something for <laughs> yourself to make it, to care about yourself. Like you have to love yourself in order to be, give love. That's right. like what we tell, like what we've always Ooh, just known to know. Preach I love that. So if you don't love yourself as a mom, how can you love your children as a mom? So that was just my biggest thing is I just had to accept these things to move past them. Wow. That was pretty powerful. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Ams, is there anything, uh, any other question that you have? Any other statistic? Um, well, I don't have a poem today. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could pull something out here. We won't do that. Um, well, Haley, do you have anything else that you would like to share? Is there anything that we like missed or that you wanted to touch on? Yeah, I just wanted to talk a little bit about having to go through parenthood with different parents and having to accept to not, not blame them, but you just need to know that some things happen without your control and Everybody is shaped into a parent because of their parents, whether they like to admit it or not. So you can either fight it and become a better person of yourself and be the opposite of what you what traumatized you, or you fall on that line. So don't beat yourself up because you didn't have a great childhood because you were a child. Mm-hmm. You are not responsible for what you went through as a child. Girl, 
I am so happy you just said that. Like, I, feel I think like that's a big shadowy work. It is. To do. It like my husband was raised very differently. So I remember him getting in. We got into the car one time after I met my parents. He's like, it makes so much sense of why you are the way you are now. Mm. He's like, I, he apologized. He's like, I'm sorry that I put, like, he always like put pressure because I'm not an emotional person and he very much is. So I'm very detached about that kind of stuff. Or at least I was. I'm better now because of him. But we would be talking and I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know how to do I'd get like awkward. Mm -hmm. So then overcoming that and then becoming the mom of being like, how are you? Like if I would have just had my mom ask me like, how are you doing today? I can tell you how much that must would have saved me when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And so now or like. I tell, I ask him all the time, what can I do better as a parent? That's I've asked my seven year old that every time that she has issues at school, every time she goes to them, I'm like, what can I do to help you instead of blaming her instead of being like, you just have to figure it out because she's seven. She doesn't know. So I just want people to know that like, just because you had a shitty child doesn't mean you're going to be a shitty parent. It doesn't mean that you're going to go through life and have these terrible things happen to you. And just, that's just how you are. I just want people to know that you can just go through and you can cope your own ways. Your parents might not accept it. Like, I've held my parents accountable. Like, my dad, I've told him, I was like, you were not nice growing up. We actually just had a big falling out after my wedding because he 100% ruined my wedding and he knows he did. And I said, the thing is, is like, there are memories in your childhood and your life as an adult that you won't get back. That being one of them that your parents can take away from you. And holding your parents accountable isn't a crappy thing to do. No, it's not. I would agree. I would agree with you on that. It's also having the awareness. Of yeah. Being able to have the awareness in your head and in your heart that you're not responsible yeah. for what happened when you were younger and also being able to like change that course and that, yeah, those sure. habits that you're having yeah. now as an adult. I think it's also like, it's addiction. It's like AA. Like I would tell, like I told a man all the time, I was like, you know, you can tell somebody until you're blue in the face that something's wrong with them, but until they're willing to accept it, that's, that's all you can do. Right. So when I tell my parents, I'm like, you did this to me. Therefore, this is why I am the way I am today. Mm. And like my wedding, I was like, this is what you did. And this, and then he'd be like, oh, well, supposedly. I was like, you had to be like, time out. There's no supposedly when it comes to your feelings. If somebody made you feel a type of way, that's how they made you feel. And you can own that. Mm-hmm. Even if they say, well, I don't think I hurt your feelings. That doesn't, I don't care what you think. What I'm telling you happened is this is what happened mm-hmm. in my head. Mm-hmm. So just, you can hold your parents accountable and not feel sorry for it. Because it, once you become an adult, you don't have to be afraid of them anymore. And that was the biggest thing is I was always afraid. And I'm like, I don't care anymore because I'm a parent. And I know now what you went through. And now as a parent, I don't understand what you why you did what you did or why you do the things that you continue to do. That's a really good point. I'm glad, I, glad we asked. Yeah. Yeah. Give yourself some grace. That's what I tell everybody through everything not even postpartum you know you're not going to be perfect all the time it's what are like the big three actionable items here like give yourself grace 
what you went through as a child is not what you have to, what did I say? So give yourself some grace. Don't blame yourself for what you went through as a child because you were a child. Mm. And take accountability. Yeah. Hold yourself accountable. And then on the flip side of that for other people, like ask and inquire. Yeah. With your friends, with your loved ones. Just ask how somebody's doing today. Mm -hmm. Like that would be my goal is every day just ask somebody how they're doing today. Mm -hmm. And they may lie. They may be like, oh, I'm great. How are you? But just asking does a world of wonders. Yeah. You are spot on with that. That's great. Yeah. Um, what is one thing that you'd like the listeners to know? Mm, I guess it depends on listening. But if like if you're a person going through childhood trauma, I guess it's the same thing. Give yourself grace. Give your like let yourself know that it's okay. Because if nobody else is going to tell you it's okay, you have to be the person to tell yourself it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Be your big, like, be your biggest fan is what I've learned. I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. Be your own Lightning McQueen. Yeah. I hype myself every day. <laughs> I hype myself up. That's what I try to do. I try to be like, you know what? You may not have brushed your teeth today because your kids were a-holes, <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> Still got a nice butt, though. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Um, I, I love our mothers out there. Anyone who is childbearing, carrying a kiddo inside, and then giving birth yeah. is and absolutely also like, amazing. Mm-hmm, like, there are mothers in so many ways. Even when you, like, you could have a miscarriage and you would still go through postpartum depression anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like, you are still a mother. Like, no matter what you've gone through, anything that you've had to either... Or an abortion. Like, you can still have all these hormones after you have all of these things that can go wrong. So, like, just anybody that's have kids, like, or any, like, or caring for people's kids that aren't your kids, adopting, fostering, you know? Like, it's okay to have feelings, and it's okay to feel the feels. Yeah. It's okay to feel the feels. I love that. Yeah. Go women. Everybody has different trauma. But being able to share trauma we always make jokes like oh like I always say all the time like I just make jokes about my trauma now mm-hmm. and but it's nice because I also it also lets people know that other people have things that they go through in life yeah you know like they could be the happiest person and you're like the nicest most caring person ever but then they make that joke and they make that thing and you're like oh shit mm-hmm. and then you can relate to them on a whole other level mm-hmm. like I could never I never went through stuff that Amanda's gone through but knowing that I've also went through things brings us closer because we can talk on a deeper level through our traumas. Yes. I force you to talk to me. I know. <laughs> Haley, um, thank you for coming on today. And You're welcome. Shedding some light onto postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, childhood trauma. Um, it's always a joy being around you and especially having you on talking about real stuff you know i always love our conversations yeah even though i was pretty silent today you were uh, but i mean ams was doing great so i was just letting i was letting ams take the reins today so? yeah yeah like were you, you did, happy with it yeah i think so yeah I, you I, did great so i was like i'm i was just sitting this one out 
I feel like you knew a lot of stuff though. Yeah. So like it's hard for her to ask questions yeah. because she knows a lot I, of this stuff about my life. I've known Haley now for like sixteen years. Wow. Yeah. So sixteen years I of like trauma. No idea. I was like about ready to walk in there today and be like, Hey, you ready for today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like but no. I think for for me with my friends and my sister and stuff like that, I was just like really excited. Um to like learn more about you and yeah and I was super pumped I was telling everybody about it I was like I'm doing this podcast and they all thought it was great I, I didn't tell my parents because they don't care but I like told all my friends who are moms I was like hey I'm shedding a light onto this because it's super important yeah it is it is it absolutely is my friend would 100 million percent agree with you yeah because that's what I turned to was podcasts and I was listening to motherhood podcasts and I was like if I could just share some little bit of knowledge on this that because I was worse and like I was scrolling through finding something that like wasn't very popular that was talking about real shit and being like I need to listen to this you know what she did um my friend her name is Natasha she created this like google doc yeah it's like a live one and it just she has shared it with other mothers mm-hmm. to add on like different links and resources like throughout their pregnancy after their pregnancy just anything yeah and we've like come she's done most of the work I've only added a couple things on but I think that um that would be something cool to share even with yeah. you if you like had some like resources or podcasts you wanted to add to yeah That'd for sure nice Thank you again, Haley, and thank you, Ams, for being here and asking all the right questions. You're welcome. You have been listening to the I Am Somebody podcast. If you are in a mental health crisis, call the Suicide and Crisis Hotline at 988. You can also connect with a crisis counselor by texting HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741-741. In Hancock County, Ohio, you can call the crisis line at 888 888- Nine three six seven one one six. For Hancock County, Ohio residents, you can contact Focus Recovering Wellness Community at 419-423-5071. NAMI, Hancock County, can be reached at 567-525-3435. LGBTQ plus support can be found at LGBTQ plus Spectrum of Finley by emailing contact at Spectrum of Finley LGBT.org. Outside of Hancock County, use the internet to find local recovery community organizations or your local NAMI chapter. LGBTQ plus youth can call the Trevor Hotline for support at 866-488-7386. If you are a victim of domestic violence, call 800-799-7233 or the Open Arms Hotline at 419-422-4766. If you are the victim of sexual assault, please call 800-656-4673. Marketing support was provided by Amber Keir of the Hysteria Company. I am your compare, Brooke Nissen. The song used is A Walk in the Light by Zach Fletcher and is used under permission of the copyright holder. This podcast was made possible by the support of Associated Charities, the Finley Hancock Community Foundation, the Hancock County Board of Alcohol, Drug Addiction, and Mental Health Services, and donors like you. If you'd like to support this podcast, please visit our website at IamSomebodyPodcast.org. Thank you for listening. I am somebody.